Can everyone hear me? Okay, I can can't hear myself. Good morning, good morning. I'd like to take this time and welcome you all to the Village Church. Uh, welcome to the Village Church, where our mission is to know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, and to glorify Jesus. Our vision is broken people coming together to embrace and extend Jesus' love. We are excited to announce a new way of connecting with members and guests. We are now using Linktree. This allows us to connect all, to all online information about our church. The giving of tithes and offering, along with our social media platform, forms all in one place. When you scan the QR code with your phone camera, you will get a short link. When clicked, navigates to the web, the, the web page with a list of every link that you would need concerning our church. If you are a guest today, welcome. Welcome. We ask that you I'm sorry. We ask that you scan the Q code and click on it and link the provided for our TVC HSV. Then click onto the menu item for first time guests. The nursery is open today. At the Village Church, we be, we believe that giving of tithes and offering is an act of worship. You may give to the vision and mission of the of the church by scanning the QR link tr link tree code and using the menu item entitled TVC Giving. This will direct you to the link on our webpage, or you may just email mail a check to our address at 2103 Virginia Boulevard, Huntsville, Alabama, 35811. Or after service, you may drop your offering off in the designated area in the back of the sanctuary. Today, Village Kids and Youth, youth Meet, along with our new program for two to four year olds first steps please see the back of the worship guide for the spring schedule for the first steps village kids and youth our intro to village class taught by elders and church leaders is a class taught periodically throughout the year where you learn more about the village church this class is required for membership but taking the, the class doesn't obligate you to membership there's a sign-up sheet located in the information center desk by the front doors where you can indicate your interest in taking this class. You will be contacted with, with the schedule is set, when the schedule is set. On Wednesday, April the 13th, corporate prayer at 7 p.m. at the church and via Zoom. Also, Tuesdays, April the 19th, women inductive Bible studies at 6 p.m. at the church house. Fellow, followed by fellowship time at 7 p.m. This concludes the announcements for today. Do govern yourselves accordingly, but I do have a P.S. Today is one of the greatest days of my life because it's an opportunity that God has given us a very special person that I've grown to love, and I will love her to the day I die. So I want you guys to also help me celebrate the love of my life. Her birthday is exactly today. Her name is Patience Reese Teague. Thank you, husband. Okay. <laughs> 
Praise God for this mask that I have on my face. <laughs> Amen. Well, good morning. <laughs> I was kind of composed, and then he did that. Now i got to regroup. <laughs> um. Yeah. This song before before we go where we need to go. Um, this song has been on my mind um, past couple days, and it's not up there. So just use it as part of your meditation time. Ask me not. Oh, gentle Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do
Oh 
Lord, as we have entered into this place. We sing these songs as declarations of your truth. Your presence is heaven. Nothing in this world can satisfy us like you. And Father, as we've come into this place, as, as we say broken people coming together to embrace and extend your love, Spirit, we just we just ask you to move in a mighty way in here today. Help us rest and rejoice and have peace in this gathering as we delight in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would, please stand for our call to worship. It is taken from the song, Here I Am to Worship. Please join with me uh, where it says congregation. King of all days, oh, so highly exalted, glorious in heaven above, humbly you came to the earth you created, all for love's sake became poor. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, and you're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, all together wonderful to me. Amen.
may be seated. Slight change. Um, we have a ministry moment that we would like to have this morning by Miss Emma. Could you please clap it up for her as she comes, please? Continue clapping. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. prayer we do have corporate prayer this wednesday our topic is going to be sexual assault that's what we're going to be praying over so if you want to um, join us on our zoom or come to the building and pray with us that'd be great and um, just take the time now to think about the topic april is awareness month for this this issue so i think it's good for us to take a moment and pray together as a church Thank you so much, Emma. Now we have the prayer praised by Richard Goodson. Thank you, Emma, for thank you, Emma, for taking that over the prayer on Wednesday nights. That's just awesome for you to do that. Thank you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Oh God. You are our God. We seek you earnestly. Our soul thirsts for you. Our flesh yearns for you. Even in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Thus we have seen you in the sanctuary. To see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life. Our lips will praise you. So we will bless you as long as we live. We will lift up our hands in your name. Our soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness. And our mouths offer praise with joyful lips. When we remember you on our bed, we meditate on you in the night watches. For you have been our help. And in the shadow of your wings, we sing for joy. Our soul clings to you, and your right hand upholds us. Thank you, dear God. Amen. Um, Our confession of faith comes from the Westminster Shorter Catechism, question 27. I'll ask the question, and then the congregation will answer. In what did Christ's humiliation consist? Christ's humiliation consisted in being born in that in a poor circumstance and being subject to God's law and undergoing the miseries of this life, the wrath of God and curse of death on the cross and being buried and in continuing under the power of for time. Today's scripture reading comes from Luke chapter 23, verses 26 through 
43. And as they led him away, they seized one, Simon Cyrene, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country and laid on him the cross to carry it before Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that have never bore and the breasts that have never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others of the crimin- two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, they, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There were also there was also an, an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged riled at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And and we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Amen.
their marriages, for their jobs, for any other broken relationships they may have in their life. I pray that you will provide and heal. I pray, Father, that for those who might not be, that don't know you, Lord, that you will call them into your wonderful kingdom. I pray for those of us who may be living in some sin or addicted to something that we just can't get freedom from. I pray, Lord, that you bring deliverance. I pray that you bring freedom. I pray for those of us who have been walking alone and and, and, and doesn't really have a safe place to be honest about what's going on in their life. I pray, Lord, they will find a safe place to be honest about their pain and their hurts and their issues. And I pray, Lord, that they will go to counseling if they need to. There's no fear. There's no shame in admitting brokenness. We all are messed up. We're all dealing with stuff. None of us here have it all together. And we will never have it all together. And that's okay. Because we serve a God who does. And he is for us and not against us. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. If you are a guest, a first-time guest, thank you uh, so much for uh, joining us. And if you did miss the announcements, I do want to review some of them after the service we will have a sermon discussion for uh, for those who want to stick around and talk more about the sermon uh, also there will be a, a, some time, a time for the our nursery kids and village kids and the youth after the service as well uh, also if you are a first-time guest there is a rq code here to, that you can scan that will lead you to um to fill out a little um questionnaire about your time here at the village church so i would love for you to do that if you have time today. And if you notice, there was a fellowship time before the service today. So the plan is to do that for the next several weeks, to come here at 9 and hang out in the foyer to fellowship together before the service. And so if you feel led to bring snacks, you know, please do. Uh, and then we will enjoy some time fellowshipping before uh, the worship gathering. Now, if you have your Bible, please open it to Luke 22. We have a lot of verses to cover. Because I have to preach the resurrection on Resurrection Sunday. So Luke 22, verses 63, all the way through the end of chapter 23. Have you ever been a victim of a practical joke? A prank? Have you ever been laughed at, teased, or made fun of, or made to look stupid or foolish in public? Has, has anyone ever pointed out your mistakes in, in front of a group of people? Have you ever experienced public rejection? Have you ever felt disrespected? Have you ever been embarrassed? If your answer is yes to any of those questions, then you probably have experienced humiliation, which is different from shame. You see, people believe they deserve their shame. They don't believe they deserve the humiliation. To show the difference between the two, uh, Dr. Brene Brown uses an example from school. Listen to what she writes. She says, a teacher is handing back papers, and one of the students doesn't have their name on the paper. And the teacher calls the student stupid. If that child's self-talk is, that is the meanest, most nastiest teacher ever. I don't deserve that. 
what that child is likely experiencing is, hum- is humiliation. Now, as a parent or caregiver, I'm going to hear about this when the child gets home because they're going to be angry and hurt and want to share it. If that child's self-talk is, oh, she's right. I'm so stupid. Why do I keep forgetting to put my name on my paper? I am so stupid. That's shame. Shame says I'm stupid. Stupid is who I am. That's shame. Humiliation calls, humiliation calls you shame, stupid, but you don't believe it. You don't think you deserve it. So there's a difference between the two, but they both still hurt. They both still cause pain. And you can experience both at home, at school, in the workplace, in any public space. And the term humiliation comes from two Latin words that when you put them together, it means to reduce to dirt. To reduce to dirt. So to humiliate a person is treating that person like the dirt you just walked on to get into this church. So please keep that image in mind the next time you find yourself making fun of another person. Please keep that in mind as you stand by and laugh while another person is being publicly put down. Humiliation is treating another human being who is created in the image of God like dirt. And this is what Jesus experiences in episode six of This is Easter. He's treated like dirt. Like the dirt you walk on, that's how he's treated. He experiences real humiliation. You're going to see him receive disgrace and disrespect and dishonor. You're going to see his body broken. You're going to see Jesus get slapped in the face. And this ain't the Oscars. This is Easter. So sit tight, get your mind right, and pray with and for me. Holy Spirit, as I pray each week, I I need you to move in and through this preached word. Because apart from you, man, this has no power. This, This has no power if you're not moving. So, Holy Spirit, you are the counselor. You are the advocate. You are the deposit that guarantees the inheritance of all God's people. And you are also the one who is responsible to give us understanding of God's word. And you are the one who helps us apply it to our very life. We can read tons of books, but if you're not moving, nothing happens. Nothing happens. So, Holy Spirit, will you move in our hearts, in our minds, in our life, in our relationships, in our brokenness? Move in the places that we try to hide from other people. And I pray for all this in Christ's name. Amen. In Luke 22, verses 47 through 53, Jesus de-escalates a a violent situation before he allows his enemies to seize and to arrest him. A standoff takes place between Jesus' disciples and the people who have come out against Jesus. You see, the disciples, they surround Jesus when they see Judas and the chief priests and officers of the temple and the elders coming for him. The disciples, they see what's getting ready to happen. And in Luke, in Luke 22, verse 49, they say to Jesus, Lord, 
Shall we strike with the sword? Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them do. Guess who it is? Peter. Peter draws his sword. He strikes the high priest's servant and cuts off his ear. The leader of the disciples initiates the violence. A disciple is the one who draws first blood. And immediately Jesus de-escalates the situation. He puts an end to the violence because he refuses to use force. He rebukes Peter in the process. TBC Saints, Jesus doesn't need his disciples to defend him with violence. Nor does he need them to try to prevent his humiliation. And the same is true for us today. Do you really think it's your defense of the faith that keeps the faith relative? Do you really think that? Do you really think it's your apologetics that will move Christianity forward? God uses you, but Christianity doesn't rise and fall because of your productivity and performance. Jesus is the author, perfecter, and sustainer of our faith, not us. And so he says to Peter, no more of this. Put your sword back in its place. For all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think I cannot appeal to my father? And he would not send at once to me more than 12 legions of angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled? That it must be so. Jesus' arrest must be so. His humiliation must be so. The scriptures must be fulfilled in and through him. It must be so. So Jesus de-escalates the situation. He touches the ear of the high priest's servant and he heals him. Another miracle. In a place of his own, while he's dealing with his own humiliation. And I want you all to notice something. Jesus doesn't just put an end to the violence. He restores the damage caused by it. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Y'all missed that. He doesn't just stop the violence. He fits with the violence is broken. Please don't, please don't gloss over what Jesus does here. He, he puts an end to the violence caused by one of his own disciples, his key disciple, the one who was be the rock. And then he restores the body of the man who was damaged by the violence, one of the people who have come to arrest him. One of his enemies. And he does this while experiencing his own emotional distress. While facing his own humiliation. He does this knowing that he himself is going to experience violence from the same people who have come to arrest him. Think about that. Take that to heart. That's the real Jesus. Is that your Jesus? And after healing this man, Christ, he turns his attention to these chief priests and and the officers of the temple and the elders who have come out against him. And and he basically, he calls them cowards for doing what they're doing because they come to arrest Jesus at night in the dark. Okay. Away from all the people, away from the crowds. That's, that's, That's cowardness. And they're doing it outside of Jerusalem. 
But again, he's at the Mount of Olives in the Garden of Gethsemane. And they come to arrest Jesus like he's a violent criminal. They've seen Jesus teaching for three years. For three years. And they come to him like he's a criminal. And that in itself is a humiliation because they know Jesus is not a violent criminal. It's a disgrace. It's disrespectful. In, verse, in verses 52 through 53, Christ says to them, Have y'all come out against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with y'all day after day in the temple, y'all did not lay hands on me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. What does Jesus mean by this is your hour and the power of darkness? The words mean his enemies will enjoy a short-term victory. Because it's just short-term. His humiliation will will only give his human enemies and his demonic enemies a a false sense of victory over him. He tells them, enjoy it while it lasts, because Easter's coming. Make the most of your moment, because it won't last, because in three days it's going to be my moment. Take pleasure in my humiliation, but no, I would get the last laugh and I found a victory. Easter is coming. Easter is coming. Again. Is that your Jesus? My favorite mystery writers are a mother and son duo who go by the pen name Charles Todd. And their favorite, my favorite character of theirs is Detective Ian Rutledge. In one of his cases, he says this, the law is only as good as the men tasked with the burden to carry it out. The law is only as good as the men tasked with the burden to carry it out. The priests, the officers of the temple, and the elders are men who are tasked with such a burden. They're tasked with the burden to carry out their religious laws. But many of them have evil intentions. They plan to use a religious court and a civil court to get rid of Jesus. It's amazing how people in power can use the law to advance their own evil plans. Please understand, saints, Jesus knows what it's like to feel like the legal system is against you. He knows what it's like to be seen as as guilty until proven innocent. What Jesus experienced in these two court systems is an injustice. It is wrong. It is evil. It is not right. It's more of a humiliation for him. But as he told Peter... Do you not think I can appeal to my father? And he will not at once send more than 12 legions of angels. But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled? This must be so. His arrest must be so. His trials must be so. His abuse must be so. His humiliation must be so. The scriptures must be fulfilled in and through him. But what he's saying is, my father's a phone call away. And any moment, I can leave all this. I can leave it all behind at any moment. That's what he's saying. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. Because here's the thing, saints. Jesus is allowing, allowing them to do these things to him. 
He's not a victim. He's allowed himself to suffer these things for you. For you. Because at the end of the day, blood will be shed for sin. It's either yours or Jesus. But I gotta tell you, yours ain't good enough. It ain't good enough. Ain't good enough. Jesus experienced humiliation in three trials before a religious court. And the first trial is before uh, Annas at night. Again, all this is happening at night. So they, they brought Jesus before him in handcuffs. Like they, they Jesus handcuffed like a, like a criminal. And so in Luke 22, this happens in Luke 22, verses 54 and 55. They take Jesus to Annas' house. And in John 18, verses 12 and 13, it says, A band of soldiers and the captain, the officers of the Jews, arrest Jesus, bound him. First they take him to Annas, for he's the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest this year. So this guy, Annas, is the first judge that Jesus is before. And he interrogates Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Listen to what happens in this first trial. This account is found in John 18. Annas questions Jesus about his disciples and his teachings, and Jesus answered him, I have spoke openly to the world. I have always taught in the synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard what I have said. They know what I have said. And after saying these things, one of the officers standing by slapped Jesus saying to him, is this how you answer the high priest? Show some respect. Jesus answers him, if what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? Annas doesn't correct the, this officer for his abuse of authority, nor does he even respond to Jesus' statement. This judge's silence and non-response is a verdict. Jesus is guilty. He is guilty. Next, Jesus is sent to the actual high priest, and this is his second trial, and this takes place in Luke 22, verses 56 through 65. Again, this is held at night, in secret, away from the crowd of people, away from Jesus' followers. His accusers now, they don't have a case against Jesus. They have to make stuff up. He's innocent. Basically, they have to plant evidence. And so this whole council and, and the high priest, they decide to do to go the unjust route. They're going to seek out people who will be willing to bear false witness against Christ. How about that? They plan to use the testimonies of these false witnesses as reasons to put Jesus to death. Do y'all know what is taking place here? These religious leaders are breaking their own law in an attempt to get rid of Jesus. And they're even willing to use the people under their spiritual leadership to make it happen. What does the Eighth Commandment say? You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And that is exactly what these leaders are trying to get these people to do. God's word is being broken by the very ones called to uphold it. In the Message Bible, Matthew 26, verses 59 and 61 says, The high priest, conspiring with the Jewish council, 
tried to cook up charges against Jesus in order to sentence him to death. But even though many people stepped up, making up one false accusation after another, nothing was believable. But finally, two came forward, and one of them said, I did hear him say he will tear down God's temple and rebuild it in three days. That's all they could come up with, because Jesus is innocent. The high priest finally stands up, and he finally questions Jesus. He interrogates Jesus, and he he says to Jesus, have you no answer to make? What is that these men testify against you? Jesus is silent. He doesn't defend himself against these false testimonies because Jesus knows, just like these leaders know, that these people are lying through their teeth. So why does he need to defend himself? None of the testimonies add up. The high priest finally says to Jesus, I I." Ask you, by the, by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said to him, you have said so. But I tell you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power coming on the clouds of heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Then the high priest tells his rose, and he says, blasphemy. What further witness do we need? You have heard the blasphemy. What is your judgment? The whole council says he deserves death. Death. Jesus is found guilty for a second time. Convicted of blasphemy. And his punishment is death. After experiencing these humiliating trials, Jesus also experiences physical and verbal abuse from these people. And his abuse is another humiliation. I want each of you to hear this. Jesus knows what it's like to be abused from personal experience. Not from a book. Not from a TED talk. He experienced it. He knows what it's like. He knows what physical abuse is like. He knows what verbal abuse is like. He knows what emotional abuse is like. So if you are a victim of abuse, abuse, and please know Christ has compassion for you, and he believes you. And it's not your fault. And also know that if you are a victim, you can come talk to the elders and the women shepherds here at TVC, and we'll make sure you get the help that you need. You don't have to suffer in silence. You don't have to be a hashtag. Abuse isn't love, it's sin. It's evil and it's wrong. And Jesus experiences such abuse at the hands of his enemies here. He's abused while in handcuffs and blindfolded. That's torture. Like, he's not a threat. He's already detained. He's not trying to escape. And yet they attack him with their hands and with their mouth. Matthew 26, verses 67 to 68 says, Then the religious leaders spit in his face and strike him. And some even slapped him while saying, Prophesy to us, you Christ. Who is it that hit you? Luke 22, 63 and 65 says, Now the men holding him in custody mocked him as they beat him. They also blindfolded him and kept asking him, Prophesy, who is it that hit you? Abuse. Again, the abuse hurts Jesus. He's human. He felt that. It hurt. 
it was painful. But as he told Peter, do you not think I cannot appeal to my father? And he will at once send more than 12 legions of angels. But then how much the scriptures must be fulfilled? This must be so. His arrest must be so. His abuse must be so. These unjust trials must be so. His convictions must be so. His humiliation must be so. The scriptures must be fulfilled in and through him. Please know, Easter is a hard story, okay? It's not about Easter bunnies and Easter eggs. Jesus suffered real pain. And we romanticize this stuff. It wasn't a romantic time for Jesus. Very painful. Very painful. A historical moment happened in our country this week. Uh, do, you, I mean, do y'all know what happened? I hope so. The U.S. Senate voted to confirm Judge Katanji Brown Jackson as the newest member of the Supreme Court. Makes her the first black female justice in our country. As a father of a beautiful black girl, it was wonderful for me to see. And more importantly, I think it's wonderful for all of the black girls to see that. You know, they now have a justice who looks like me. And even speaking of the Supreme Court, I have a question for all the TVC kids. Can I have your attention if you are a TVC kid? It's a multiple choice question. Before I give you, you give me the answers, I need you to let me read the question and then give you the answers. So are y'all ready? Okay. The Supreme Court is what? A, the Supreme Court is A, the lowest court in our nation, B, the highest court in our nation, or C, none of the above. What's the answer, kids? Speak up. I know you're louder than that. Yes, the answer is B. The answer is B. The Supreme Court is the highest court in our nation. And likewise, there is a high religious court that Jesus is going to stand before for his third and final trial here. And that court is called the Great Sanhedrin. The Great Sanhedrin is the Supreme Court of ancient Israel. It's made up of 70 men and, and one high priest. The Great Sanhedrin, it actually meets in the Jewish temple. And in Luke 22, verse, verses 66 to 71, Jesus stands but basically right here before the Jewish Supreme Court for a third trial. And look at what happens in verses 66 through 71. It says, when the day came, now it's daytime. But they're not, and it's not nighttime anymore. Now they're trying to have something legitimate. Because the same people who were dead at night, now they're showing up in an official way now. Scandalous. When day came, the assembly of elders of the people came together, both the chief priests and the scribes, and they led Jesus away to their council, that is to the Sanhedrin. And they said to him, if you are the Christ, tell us. But he says to them, if I tell you, you won't believe. <laughs> and if I ask you, you would not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of God of power. And they said, are you the Son of God then? And he says to them, you say that I am. Then they say, what further testimony do we need? We have heard it from our own lips. Again, he's guilty. He's convicted. He's sentenced to death. So now what? What's the next move for these religious leaders? Are they themselves going to put Jesus to death? No. They decide to bring Jesus before a Roman government leader. It's their desire for this Gentile leader to put Jesus to death. 
They want him to do that dirty work. So now Jesus moves from a civil court to from a religious court. Now he's going to be in a civil court. He's going to have three more trials. And in each of these trials, Jesus is going to be seen as innocent. The judge in each trial is going to see there's no reason for Jesus to be put to death. What does John 1.11 say? Jesus comes to his own, but his own people refuse to receive him. This is what's happening. They don't respect Jesus. They disconvicted him in their courts. And now they're bringing him before a Roman governor named Pilate. And, and they come and bear false witness to Jesus, about Jesus. Look at what they, they accuse Jesus of trying to start an insurrection. Now, come on, man. You, you read the gospel. Was Jesus starting an insurrection? He turns water into wine and heals people. But he's not starting an insurrection against Rome. Listen to the lies in Luke 20, 23, verse 2. We have found this man misleading our nation, forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar, Caesar, trying to make himself king of the Jews. Is that true? That is a lie. Pilate asked Jesus, are you king of the Jews? Jesus says, you have said so. Then Pilate turns to the priest in the crowd and he says, I found no guilt in this man. But they, they won't let it go. They, they say he's stirring up the people throughout all Galilee. From, he's stirring things up. Eventually, Pilate sends Jesus over to Herod because since Jesus is from Galilee and Herod and Galilee is Herod's jurisdiction, he goes before Herod for a, a second trial. Herod questions him at length. Jesus gives no answer. But his haters do. They continue to make false accusations against Jesus. And like Pilate, Herod finds no guilt in Jesus. But his soldiers, they mock him and disrespect him. Eventually, he's back to Pilate again for a third trial, the final one. And beginning at verse 14, this is what he said, Pilate says to the people. You brought this man to me as one who is misleading the people. And after examining him before you, behold, I do not find this man guilty of any of the charges against him. Neither did Herod. That's why he's sending him back to us. Look, nothing deserving death has been done by him. I will therefore punish him and release him. People aren't satisfied. They, they did beat Jesus. They whipped Jesus. And he wanted to release him, but the people are not satisfied with that. Why? Because they want Jesus' blood. They want Jesus gone. And eventually they get what they want. You see, the civil court knows Jesus is innocent. But at the end of the day, the civil court gives him to the, to the will of the people. Jesus is found guilty by both courts. He experiences, he experiences humiliation at the hands of his own people and at the hands of Gentiles. The world is against Jesus. What did Tupac say? It's me against the world, baby. It's me against the world. Does Simon of Cyrene ring the bell? Are you familiar with this individual? He's a real historical person. He's an African from a city in North Africa named Cyrene. That is Libya today. Simon is seized by Roman soldiers to carry Jesus' cross to Calvary because Jesus is exhausted at this point. 
His body is so broken at this point, he does not have the physical strength to carry his cross up to Calvary. That shows you his humanity. It shows you his humanity. That he's been through what we go through, but yet without sin. Simon, Simon carries, the cross that Simon is carrying would be another humiliating experience for Christ. The cross is Jesus' lynching tree. Please know that. His tortured and broken body is going to be nailed to a tree. He's going to be crucified like a criminal. And please understand, his humiliation is for your benefit. He offers up himself in your place. He is going to die like a sinner so sinners can be made right with a holy God. Thank you, Jesus. And these people are not taking Jesus' life. He makes the decision to give his life away in order to save yours. Because at any moment, he could have called on his father, and he would send angels to help Jesus. But he says, how could the scripture be fulfilled? This must be so. His humiliation must be so. His abuse must be so must be so. The trials must be so. His conviction must be so. His suffering must be so. His death on the cross must be so. The scriptures must be fulfilled in and through him. Scriptures like Isaiah 56, Isaiah 53. Jesus is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows. A man who is acquainted with grief as one from whom men hear their faces. He's despised and we esteem him not. Truly, Jesus bears our griefs and carries our sorrows. And yet we esteem him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. But he is pierced for our transgressions. He's crushed for our iniquities. And upon him, the chastisement that brought us peace with his wounds, you are healed. But do you believe that? This is Easter. Jesus dying in your place. Not so you can find a golden Easter egg. He died so you can be redeemed. So that you can have a relationship with God the Father. So that your broken relationship can be restored. And it, it, has to, and it requires his death. If there was any other way for God to deal with your sin, he would have did it. But this was the way it had to be done. It had to be done this way. Right now, at this moment, in episode six of This is Easter, Jesus, is, is he walks to Calvary in order to be pierced for all your sins, past, present, and future. That's what's happening. Simon carries the cross behind Jesus, and a great multitude is, is following him up to Calvary. Women are crying and lamenting. And guess what Christ does? A broken and wounded Jesus takes time to acknowledge the tears and laments of these women. Man, you just don't understand how good Jesus is. In his own brokenness, in his own wounds, Walking to his own death. He takes the time to notice the pain of someone else. Come on. 
He doesn't say, I got 99 problems and y'all's at one of them. No, he stops. He turns to them to say, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they say, blessed are the barren and the wounds that don't bear and the breasts that never nurse. And they will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? What is Christ talking about? He's talking about the future destruction in Jerusalem. Something he talked about earlier in the sermon series. You know what that means? It still hurts him even as he goes to his own death. He's grieving for something that's going to happen 40 years after he's gone. While walking to his own death, Jesus still longs to see the people of Israel repent. One commentator writes, justice is not done to verses 28 and 31 unless it is added that the entire address of Christ to the daughters of Jerusalem is an unforgivable manifestation of the Savior's complete lack of self-pity and his great desire even now that the unrepentant may repent and be we don't understand. We can't fully comprehend how good Jesus is. So again, at any moment, he could have said, I'm done. Oh, please know that at any moment, he could have said, time out. I'm done with this. Forget y'all. I'm going back to glory. I'm going back to my good life. Jesus has compassion. He has the same compassionate desire as he's crucified with two criminals. He prays for the very people who abused him. He prays for the very people who humiliated him, who spat on him, who hammered the nails through his broken body. In the midst of his own suffering, he longs for the people to repent and be saved. What does he say to his father in, in, in verse 34? He says, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they do. From the cross, as he's dying. Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they do. Who can't serve a Savior like this? One of the criminals hanging beside him. He curses Jesus. As well as the other soldiers. They, they, they tell Jesus, you know, save yourself. Save yourself. They don't know. He could have. He stays on that cross for you. Because he is trying to do something that no one else can do. Make a way for sinners to be made right with the Holy God. Nobody else in history can do that. No other God can do that. In what religion does the God die for his enemies? So his enemies can become friends. That's what Easter is. So one of the criminals hanging him says, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other one, he is rebuked by the other criminal. He said, do you not fear God? Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation. And we indeed justly, for we are receiving a due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he says, Jesus. 
Remember me when you come in your kingdom. And Jesus says to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. The one person throughout his Easter week who gets Jesus is a criminal who's dying with him. Who's suffering the same death as him. And, this, and you will see this brother in heaven. What a wonderful Savior. What a merciful Redeemer. What a friend we have in Jesus. As he hangs on this cross, he makes a promise to a fellow crucified person. As he's on, as he's on his own deathbed, his heart is still filled with love and compassion for his people. Let me put it this way. They could not beat out of Jesus his love for you. They couldn't. The nails could not destroy his love for you. Even in death, he doesn't curse the ones who did all these heinous things to him. Because please know, if you were living back then, you too would have said crucify him. So don't sit here and say you wouldn't. You would have said it. You would have been there watching it. Remember his words to Peter. Do you not think I can appeal to my father? And he will not at once send more than 12 legions of angels to save me. But then how much the scriptures must be fulfilled? This must be so. It must be so, saints. There is no other way. There's a song that says, Oh, to see the dawn of the, of the darkest day, Christ on the road to Calvary, tried by sinful men, torn and beaten, then nailed to the cross of wood. Oh, to see pain written on your face, bearing the awesome weight of sin, every bitter thought, every evil deed, crowning your blood-stained brow. This, the power of the cross. Christ became sin for us, took the blame, bore the wrath, and now we stand forgiving at the cross. This is Easter. But do you believe it? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I can't even imagine the pain you went through. And all I can say is thank you. That's all I can say is thank you. Even right now, as you, you still make intercession for your beloved, all I can say is thank you. As you still put up with us and our issues, all I can say is thank you. As you see the depths of our sin and you still not turn us away, all I can say is thank you. Every time we make mistakes and fall short and don't do the things we're supposed to do uh, and you still love us, all I can say is thank you. I can't stand on no righteousness of my own. I can't bring my resume. All we have is the finished work of Christ. And I thank you. The cross is important, but the cross is not the end of the story. I thank you. The Easter coming. And it's in your name that I pray. Amen. Will you please stand as we close our service.
God's benediction to his beloved. May your struggles keep you near the cross and may your hope in Christ lead you to live a resurrected life. In God's name we all say amen. Amen. Please greet one another saints.